Jesus, open up these words to us so that we'd be all the more free to join you in the story that you were telling. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello again. Welcome, I guess, well, you know what I mean. Um, welcome back to those of you who are here in person, those of you joining us via the podcast. Uh, y'all look great. Um, we are so excited to be back here together, and, and before I get going, I wanted to start by reminding you very quickly of uh, this next Saturday is the uh, Eastside Academy auction. Just a tremendous event. This is their 15-year celebration. Come on, come on. There it goes. There it is. Right? So it's happening this next Saturday uh, at 6.30 at the Midmar Center, and you can find tickets online at eastsideacademy.org. A fantastic event. You will be well-fed. You will be inspired. Uh, it is just tremendous. So go for tickets on eastsideacademy.org. Got it? Got it. Okay. All right. Three weeks ago, Scott Dudley pointed out that uh, since the time of Jesus, there have been these three major cultural shifts, and that we're living in the midst of this third major cultural shift. And if you, you missed that sermon, I encourage you to go back and uh, find it online. It's just fantastic. You will be inspired. You will learn more about beheadings than you've ever wanted to know. It's just it's a fantastic message, and it really helps give context to what we're talking about. But during that message, Scott made this point, that God must really trust you to have had you born at this particular point in history. God must really trust you to have had you born in this particular point in history. In other words, God has called you to be here and now. It is no accident, it is no accident that you are alive today, that you are here. It's not an accident. God has made you. God has called you. And that's, that's big stuff to kind of get our minds around. Exciting stuff, but big stuff. You have been called to big stuff. God has called you with your particular strengths and talents and gifts and experiences Your one-of-a-kind voice, God has called you with your baggage and your bad habits and your self-centered thought, all that stuff, that mix of dark and light, God has called you. Now, as you may know, uh, through the month of October on Wednesday nights where we're hosting this webinar, and if if you don't know what a webinar is, it's okay, nobody really does. But a webinar, you just watch it online and there's nobody there in the audience lab, but we've got live people teaching. And one of the things that came up this last week Scott Dudley was sharing about call, sort of how you discover your call, live out your call. Um, one of the things that came up was uh, this idea, this importance of knowing your name. Now, of course, there's the name that, that your parents gave you, and some of us are okay with that, and some of us aren't. But then there's this name that God gives you that, that isn't exactly like a name that might ring a bell. It's, it's probably more of a title, a, a role. For Scott, he was sort of self-identifying that that he felt one of those was mentor, that he could not go anywhere and not mentor or be asked to mentor. And one of those was defender of God's name, that he couldn't go anywhere, he couldn't do anything without trying to help people get clear about who Jesus is. God has given you a unique name, and it's in understanding that unique name that you begin to get clear about your call and live out that call. God has called you to be part of his great story. The passage we read this morning is interesting in light of that. Because we've got these two contrasting stories about name. And the first story, that kind of infamous story of the Tower of Babel, and, and please don't get hung up on, is that where all the language came from and did it really happen just like that? That's really not the point of the story. Nevertheless, we find this passage, the story opening with this very strange motivational speech. 
It says this. Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Doesn't it get you a little fired up, right? You're like, yeah, let's make some bricks. Come on. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. It seems like kind of a strange motivational speech. Here's what's going on. In that part of the world, they don't have stone. So if you want to build something, you've got to make bricks. And, and they're actually referring to a new technology, a new way of making bricks by baking them thoroughly, using tar, those kind of things that, that allows them now to, to build things that are more strong, to build things that are taller than ever before. And in the midst of this, they have a goal. And the goal is this. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's do this. Let's build this thing. And let's, let's make a name for ourselves. It's not just you know, let's be more famous or, or kind of more outstanding in the world's eyes. It's, it's not so much that. It's, see, they were baking with these bricks. They were using these bricks, and they were building in the form of the Mesopotamian uh, ziggurats, which were kind of like, uh, you know, the Egyptian pyramids. We kind of get that. The ziggurats were sort of the same shape, but with the steps all the way up. And they were this representative, the symbol uh, of the gods coming up and down, of us being able to sort of access and control what the gods do because we built these stairs up to heaven and back down again and that kind of thing. So now sort of people of God are sort of building this in the form of the Mesopotamian towers, essentially saying, let's not need God so much anymore. We've got this new technology. We've got bricks, y'all. Let's, let's, let's depend on that. Let's depend on our ability. Let's go for that rather than depend on God. And we see that God steps in, steps down, as it's written in there, and says, you know, we need to kind of mix us up a little bit. He confuses their language. He scatters them around the world. Not because he's threatened by bricks. Not because he's threatened by their ability to create these things. Simply because he knows that life is found in intimate relationship and dependence on him. Anything that sort of steals away from that, this, this ability to like, like we're just going to leave that behind. We're just going to be our own gods. He knows that's not life. That's not the life that we're actually after. So he does this thing. He confuses them. Let's make a name for ourselves. They want to be like God. That's immediately followed by the story of Abram, soon to be Abraham. Abram's just going about his business, living life, taking care of himself. God steps in and calls him. And calls him with this, this, this uh, essentially a, a mission. It just says, go. He says, Go. Where, God? No, don't worry about it. I'm going to tell you. you you got to go. Follow me. But with, with this call, he gets some promises. Abram gets some promises from God. The first is this. I'll show you where to go. I'll show you where to go. And don't you kind of hate that about God? That, that like, you know, it's like, follow me, and I'll, 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 you're going to do some great things, and you're going to be involved in this great story. Okay, what does that look like? How, how should I plan for that? How should I? I'll show you. But keep depending on me. Keep depending on me. That's the first promise. I'll show you where to go. The second one is this. I will be with you. I will be with you. See, I'm not a God that you've got to access by going up and down these stairs, by building some elaborate thing, by, by having to be a certain way. I, I, I'm the God who's with you. With you. The third promise is this. I, God, will make your name great. You don't, you don't have to worry about your reputation at all, actually. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a nation that stands out. In fact, you're going to be the father of all these nations such that a few thousand years from now, people in Bellevue, Washington will be talking about you. 
That's how great your name is going to be. It's going to be so widespread. In both stories, name is important. Especially in those cultures, name was not just something you call somebody. It's their identity. It's their legacy. It's their destiny. It's their worth, their value. Name is everything. Having a good name is everything. But in the first story, we see people trying to make a name for themselves. And it ends badly, and it ends quickly. When the story's over in Genesis 11, that's all we ever know of them. In the second story, God says, I will make your name great. So the story continues thousands of years later with you and I. We're part of that same story. We are children of that same line. Two different stories, two different approaches to name. Two very different outcomes. So let me ask you this, fellow East Siders. Do you ever have trouble trusting God with your name, with your reputation, with how others perceive you? Do you ever spend any energy, any time trying to impress someone, trying to get someone's attention, get them to like you a bit more? Did anyone feel any bit of stress this morning or what you were going to wear, how your hair was working out, any of that kind of stuff? Was that just me? I know it came out pretty good, but, but nevertheless, it's a, don't worry about it. Uh, we know that, right? We know that energy. We know that energy we put into that stuff, and it takes up some of our time. It takes up a lot of our time. And it's not, it's not a bad desire. You know, we're called to be good stewards of our name and, and, and pursue a good reputation. That's not a bad desire. It's just an easily misplaced desire. One that, like the builders of Babel, can quickly get us confused and lost and missing out on life. This has become all the more real to me in the last few months. Uh, as you may know, I uh, have a new job. I no longer work on the church staff. I work with a friend of mine to train motivational speakers who, yes, all live in vans down by the river. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, that's how old I am. Uh, and, and helping them build their speaking business, essentially helping them develop their brand, right? Using their name to, to kind of leverage for the sake of products or uh, getting them some more authority so their expertise will sell some stuff. And, and, and it's, it's really fun. It's really interesting, the people that I get to work with. I work remotely, i.e. in my jammies. So my, my family and I, just, just to be clear, my family and I are still very much part of this uh, community and we'll get to preach from time to time. I'm excited about that. But in this new job, I'm really focusing a lot of attention on helping people make their name great, helping them build their brand. In addition, I'm kind of speak, building my own speaking business and, and trying to establish my own brand at jessierice.com. And, <laughs> I, you know, I'm trying to sort of configure myself, sort of brand myself as someone who can help people connect the dots between how they're wired and what they're made to do. Essentially, discover and live their call kind of stuff, helping people discover that stuff. Now, I think it's a great pursuit, and I think it's something that God has called me to, but it's tricky because I spend a lot of time thinking about my name, my image, my brand at jessierice.com. It's a free ebook when you subscribe to the blog. I'm not kidding. Now, whether or not, now whether or not you're trying to, trying to build a business around your name or your trying to build some reputation for the sake of some future career thing. Whatever your story is, I bet in some way and with certain people, you struggle with that too. You struggle to trust God with your reputation. You want to stand up for yourself. You want to make sure you're right. You've got your rights. You want to be understood. 
We all struggle with this, especially, especially in this third major cultural shift. Why? Because now in, in post-modernity, everything is relative. There's no universal truth. It's just your truth and it's my truth. Nothing's black and white. It's just all kind of gray and yeah, whatever you feel like. We don't have much of a strong tie to our past. We don't think very clearly about our future. There's, there's a lot of blur there. And that in the midst of that blur, there's an increased sense of urgency for answers to questions like, who am I and what am I supposed to do with my life? Many of us feel that tension right now. That's normal. That's normal. Who are we? What are we going to do with our lives? But in the midst of all that blur, in the midst of this increased urgency, we then have a call. We have a call to respond to this urgency. To respond in a way that actually brings life and isn't just more noise among the noise. See, when we feel lost, when we feel unclear about who we are and what we're made for, we, we have to compete for that. We have to start to fight for that. We start to demand that from others. We start to expect that from others. When we feel lost, we feel the need to fight for our name. We shift our energy away from this sacrificial love to political power. And we know from what Scott preached on just a few weeks ago, and we know from our own histories, that wherever Christians have sort of demanded that we be respected, understood, that this be the, the, the law that sort of triumphs over everything, whenever that happens, violence breaks out. Whenever God's people have done this, violence breaks out against ourselves, against others. That's why part of how we live out our call during this third major cultural shift is by radically trusting God with our reputation. By letting go of the need to, to prove ourselves and, and identify, you know, really clarify ourselves and any of that stuff, just let that go and return again to that sacrificial love. Again, Having a good reputation is a good thing, good thing worth pursuing. But our good name is only good for something if it reflects the great name of Jesus. Our good name is only good for something if it reflects the great name of Jesus. How do we do that? I just want to give you three quick ideas. The first comes from uh, a long time ago in my life now. I used to be part of a band, and we were terrible. Uh, but, but we still got to play in some really fun places. And uh, I always felt this tension, uh, really enjoying the stage, enjoying the spotlight, all that kind of stuff, and yet wanting the people out there in the audience to, to know Jesus, to see him more clearly. And a friend of mine gave me this prayer that I want to share with you, and perhaps you've heard one like it. It's been very helpful. It's this. God, help me care more about what they think of you than what they think of me. Just that simple. God, help me care more about what they think of you than what they think of me. This applies for all of us. And whatever your role is, whatever your relationship is, any of that kind of stuff, very simple. God, help me care more about what they think of you than what they think of me. Second idea is this. Listen. When I'm so much in my head just thinking about my brand, my story, how I'm going to communicate that and attract people with that, I forget about the people around me. And the way that we combat that, subvert that, is by Noticing the people around us, by paying attention to those around us, starting to get to know those around us, right here in this space, right here in whatever space you're watching from, those folks you see often at the grocery store, and maybe you're even at the, the level now after a couple of years of shopping there that you smile at each other, and 
What's their story? One of the greatest gifts we can give to someone is the gift of our attention. It's so validating. It so reflects back that image of God, that they have value. They are worthy. Listen. The third idea is this. Give. Simply meet someone's practical need. When our attention is, is oriented toward trying to help somebody else do something, it, it's just hard to have it all about us. So do, taking that simple step and, and, and orienting ourselves toward others is, is really helpful. It's really clarifying. It frees us up. When I'm coaching these students around their speaking business, uh, they're often concerned, as I've been at times, with things like, okay, so, you know, how do I get the pictures just right, and, and what should my, you know, logo be, and, you know, what font is really going to bring in the sales, and how do I do all that stuff on my website, and, and inviting them, encouraging them to move from that, how do I get attention, to how do I add the most value? How do I get attention? That's usually where I'm stuck. Life is found in that, how do I add value? How do I give myself away? Because that stuff is going to clarify. It's going it's to take care of itself if, if you kind of focus on this, how can I add value? So pray this prayer. God, help me care more about what they think of you than what they think of me. Listen, pay attention to, notice, and get to know the people around you. And meet someone else's practical need. The point of all that is this. God sees you. Your heavenly Father sees you. He knows your name. He gave you your name. And when he hears your name, when he thinks of your name, he just lights up. He feels great joy in that. He feels delight in your name. That's how your heavenly Father sees you. He lights up when he hears your name. So don't spend any more of that energy any more of those resources trying to impress, trying to win attention, trying to attract people, trying to move others, trying to prove you're worthy of attention. And remember this. God's kids never have to prove themselves. God's kids never have to prove themselves. Not to God. Not to anyone else. Not because of a better than. Simply because God has said, you're enough. You're worthy. Because of me. More than that, we're freed up freed up from the tyranny of self, from thinking about ourselves, so we can run all the more, live all the more into that unique call, that unique name God has given you. See, we know this intuitively, but I don't practice it very much. You don't practice it very much. Managing how we appear to others is not life-giving. Life does not come from managing what other people think of us. Life comes only from that name that is above every other name, Jesus. That that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And that's life. That's life that we're invited into, to enjoy. That's the life that we're invited to carry to others who are so hungry for it. That's life. And that's the life that he's called us to. So, how will you respond? Let's pray. Jesus, it is your name ultimately that matters. It is by you and it is for you that all things were made. Your name is the one above all names. And so we want to submit again our reputation, our standing, our name to you. To let you take care of those things. You, you can be our PR manager. We don't, we don't need to do that anymore. We don't need to spend our time and energy doing that. God, we are free to give ourselves away. We do not have to defend ourselves. We do not have to protect ourselves. We are free to give ourselves away. 
Thank you for the way that you've modeled this to us. By giving everything, then, your name was placed above all other names. So thank you for that model. Thank you for what you invite us into. And thank you that when you hear our name, you delight in us. May we move from a place of that delight even today. In Jesus' name, amen.